So, Sam, I'm trying to find you in Decentraland. Decentraland. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Land is a place to socialize with friends, play games, and so much more. We love it. I'm at this avatar page and I am selecting what I'm going to look like. Sweet. Right now I am this white guy with a hoodie and brown pants, which is kind of what I look like in real life. There's also all these clothes options, like skins, and I can be a banana if I want, although I think I have to pay extra. So I'm going to go with this generic guy. What, uh, what do you look like now, Sam? I think I'm just like the stock person. <laughs> I'm wearing like a really hideous outfit of like bumblebee looking shirt and look really basic. This is Decentraland, a virtual world that's owned by its users. And people are paying thousands of dollars in cryptocurrency for the chance to create a new virtual life online. Oh, here we go. Okay. So I'm in Genesis City. Yeah, I'm there too. I'm standing on like the diving board over this creepy pool. It's like a whirlpool in the middle of the world. Okay. I'm looking. I'm like standing right in the middle of everything. I see a waterfall. All right, here we go. Oh, look at all these people. I'm by the whirlpool. Okay, I'm on the other side of the whirlpool in a yellow striped shirt. I see you. I see you. Oh my God. You're Sam hashtag B140. <laughs> oh my God. Can we have five or something? <laughs> Should we start the podcast? Yeah, let's do it. I'm Sam Cole, a senior editor with Motherboard. And I'm Jason Kebler from Vice News. This is Motherboard Money. So I made Sam meet me in Decentraland, which is this cryptocurrency focused metaverse because one, it's really funny to go there. There's not that many people there. And two, because this episode is about the metaverse. 
we have some distance from the original hype about the metaverse. And we are going to talk about the economics of corporate metaverses like Facebook's Horizon Worlds and crypto-focused metaverses like Decentraland. This industry was really niche for a long time, had this big boom. We're now on a bus cycle. And I think it's a good time to go back and look at what happened here. What is the promise? Why didn't it work right away? And does it have any chance of working in the future? So we're going to get into Decentraland and Horizon Worlds eventually, but we're going to start by tracing it back to this thing called Second Life. Second Life is an endless garden of creativity. What, what is Second Life for people who don't know? So Second Life is not a game. That's what the people in it will tell you. It is a social platform where people are residents. They're not users or gamers, um, so they're not playing. If you're traveling beyond this life. So they are building houses and they have jobs in Second Life. They are interacting with other people and building relationships and all this cool stuff in the world. Do not fear reinvention. The design is your liberation. I never spent any time in Second Life, and I knew about it for a long time. But the thing that like really made me think, hey, this is a big cultural phenomenon, was that scene in The Office, which I don't know if you've seen, but Dwight (laughs) is like playing Second Life at The Office. Playing that game again? Second Life is not a game. It is a multi-user virtual environment. It doesn't have points or scores. It doesn't have winners or losers. Oh, it has losers. And he explains that he has a totally separate life in Second Life where he is a paper salesman <laughs> at Dunder <laughs> And he just like, he creates his exact, his exact life in Second Life. I signed up for Second Life about a year ago. Back then, my life was so great that I literally wanted a second one. In my Second Life, I was also a paper salesman and I was also named Dwight. Absolutely everything was the same, except I could fly. Second Life has been around for, you know, 20 years at this point. And I think a lot of people got back into Second Life or into it for the first time during the pandemic because they were like, where can I go socialize with people if I can't leave my house? Can you paint a picture for me just in terms of like the things that you can make and what you can do in that world? I've seen... VR worlds where it's like, you can be a fish, you can be Mario, you can be a giant, you can have a jetpack and fly anywhere. It's like, are all of the denizens of Second Life humans? And no. are all of the things <laughs> you can sell like virtual clothes? <laughs> yeah, no, it goes way beyond that. Clothes is a really big demand because that's just kind of an easy kind of way to be creative with your self in Second Life. But a lot of people aren't human. I'm Draco. I'm a dragon, obviously. You, know, you have a lot of furries and things like that all over the internet. So we're currently at Sudden Stop. It's a nice little hangout area. The bulk of the people that come here are anthros and furries. And then the things that people are selling go from, you know, you can sell like individual like stretch marks or like cellulite is a thing that a lot of people were interested in a couple of years back to kind of make it more real. So you would sell like a mesh of skin to put over your like avatar. And then 
you would pay someone to create like a more realistic skin texture. Okay, Sam. So Second Life Feel is very bottom up where you have all these creators who are making things and taking this world that was designed by a company, but are really pushing it beyond what was originally designed. And then you have Mark Zuckerberg's version of the metaverse, which is something called Horizon Worlds. Horizon is designed to make it possible for everyone to create. Yeah, it's very different. So the artist formerly known as Facebook, which is Meta, has this new metaverse called Horizon Worlds. We're already seeing people build some really interesting experiences, from creating new games together, to throwing surprise parties in VR that family and friends around the world can join. And you wrote this great article called The Corporate Metaverse Can't Compete. And I just, I guess I want to talk about like Facebook's idea of the metaverse and how it's different to what we've seen on Second Life, like at least thus far. Yeah, it's extremely different from a lot of other successful metaverse platforms like VRChat, Roblox. These are worlds where you can have like endless creativity and that's part of the fun. That is like the main idea. (laughs) That's why people use it is to be able to, you know, be whatever they want, like create avatars, customize their worlds. And the way that Meta has crafted their metaverse is extremely rigid and very sterile. Let's take a look at what working in the metaverse will be like. Imagine if you could be at the office without the commute. You would still have that sense of presence, shared physical space, those chance interactions that make your day all accessible from anywhere. You're given like a an avatar that is human and you're encouraged to make it look like whatever you want, but you know, it's like, it's for using it in an office or like meetings or things like that. So you're going to create something that looks like you and is very like, you know, work ready. Now imagine that you have your perfect work setup and you can actually do more than you could in your regular work setup. You have worlds that you can play around in and you can create your own worlds and a lot of people do, but there's just not a ton of people using it right now. The biggest barrier for that is you have to have a VR headset. And the reason for that is Meta bought Oculus and they want everyone to buy the Oculus headsets. So they're forcing people to buy them in order to they're participate. They're like forcing people to come into this world that no one is in. Yeah. That has all of these restrictions on it because it's Facebook and it's sanitized. Yeah. And yeah. it's using it as like a mechanism to sell this headset. But there's, you know, you've spent some time in Horizon Worlds. It's pretty bleak like it's pretty empty when you walk around there it's like you're not super likely to run into other people or have these sort of fun spontaneous experiences like on the on the Mm -hmm. daily yeah it's really empty even the meta employees that are working on it don't want to be in it uh you know with second life just to compare the people who were working on it first couldn't they couldn't get pulled away from it like they were constantly in it they were the ones who were you know, creating the communities and they were really into it. And with meta, it's like they have to force them to be in the world, which, you know, is a reflection of how bad it sucks. (laughs) You know, Mark is kind of positioning it as the future of how we'll work and how we'll socialize. 
Imagine your best friend is at a concert somewhere across the world. What if you could be there with her? He's like, you're going to go to a concert in the metaverse and you're going to pay for a virtual ticket and then you'll be able to buy virtual merch of the band to put on your um, on your avatar. And this is a very fundamentally sort of different design than everything that we've been talking about where yeah. the community is kind of deciding which events to have. But this model is one in which it's like, Travis Scott is going to play a concert presented by Live Nation and like Live Nation is going to like throw the concert in the metaverse and Prada is going to design the clothes and like Coca-Cola is going to have a bunch of ads in there and so on and so forth. And it's like all of the people who are making the things are employees of these big companies and the money that you're paying like goes to these big companies and that's like in complete contrast to what you just described on second life and in complete contrast to the ways that this has worked in other successful metaverses and there are companies that have managed to make a real go of this and to bring in actual real money for their users and for their companies can you talk a little bit about Roblox, because Roblox is one of the most popular games in the entire country, played largely by young people, like played largely by children. We are the shapers, the architects, the innovators. And this world is is ours ours for the making. Yeah, Roblox is huge as far as just going in there and playing with other people. I think that's the biggest draw for Roblox is that there are tons of other people there. And that's what makes the game fun. Roblox is also an interesting example of corporations doing metaverse, right? So like in Horizon with Meta, I, I played the Wendy's Baconator game. Boring. Nobody was there. You're just shooting burgers at a basketball hoop. And that's how a lot of the corporate brand activations are in the metaverse in Horizon Worlds especially, uh, because it's just like a big billboard that you can walk around in. But in Roblox, there's, for example, Walmart Land, um, which I hung out in for a bit. But it's not like you're walking around in a Walmart. You're not being served ads for Walmart. There's stuff to do in there that has nothing to do with Walmart on its face. And they're actually like fun games. And then Roblox does like music events with like Gen Z singers and artists. So I think these are examples of being led by the people who are already there instead of forcing an experience that is from the top down. Yeah, which I guess just brings me all to like who is pushing the metaverse. And it's like for the last year, we have heard about Web3 metaverse, like this whole different version of the internet. This is where your company needs to be. This is where all the money is going to be. This is sort of like what the future of the internet is. And you need to be there or else you're going to be left behind. And what we saw, at least, was sort of like in 2021, crypto goes bananas. And then we see the launch of like four or five different crypto-laden metaverses, the biggest of which is this thing called Decentraland. Uh, We also see Facebook going like 
really ham on the metaverse. They're like, we're not even going to be called Facebook anymore. We're going to be called Meta. Like, we're putting all of our eggs in this basket. We had companies, including Vice Media LLC, <laughs> full disclosure, like designing headquarters in Decentraland and paying architects to design these headquarters and so on and so forth. And there's two ways of looking at it. Either people were too early or the community was like, I don't want this. Like, I don't need this. I'm not going to take part in it. And then you have all these, you know, investors just throwing money at this stuff and then there's no users. So it's like, if you go to Decentraland right now, like there's a couple areas where people are playing, but for the most part, it's like a barren wasteland where nothing happens. Yeah, I I think Decentraland is a good example of how these big corporations or you know industry interests are trying to define the metaverse for their own means, for their own reasons, which is a really weird departure from how the metaverse was originally conceptualized 20, 30 years ago. So thank you, Sam, for coming on. I think that it's too early to say what will happen with the metaverse eventually. I think that right now, these sort of corporate metaverses, especially Facebook's Horizon Worlds and crypto-focused ones like Decentraland, it's not clear to me that they're ever going to have the user base to support how much it costs to make them. And for now, they remain more or less ghost towns. But I don't think that the idea of a popular virtual world is going anywhere. I think that there's a lot of examples of virtual worlds being hugely successful. When you look at something like Second Life or when you look at Fortnite or Minecraft or Roblox and to some extent like Call of Duty Warzone. These are massively popular games that have started to add metaverse elements. The point of these games is not We're going to try to do like sponsorships with big companies like people play them because they are fun and the metaverse aspects, the economics of it, like the monetization of it have been like tacked onto it later. Whereas with Horizon Worlds, you have a product that is intended to make a lot of money in search of a user base. And there's not like a user base that wants to be there because there's nothing interesting going on there. There's like no one there. So the tide right now is turning against these big corporate metaverses. Motherboard Money is hosted by me, Jason Kebler. It's produced by Sophie Kazis and Sheena Ozaki. Our senior producer is Julia Nutter. Our supervising producer is Ashley Cleek. Emmanuel Mayberg is Motherboard's executive editor. Special thanks to Sam Cole for coming on the show and Edward Angueso Jr. and Maxwell Strawn for leading Motherboard's metaverse reporting. Music and sound design by Pran Bandy. Fact-checking by Sophie Hurwitz. Janet Lee is our senior production manager. Charles Raggio is the VP of Vice Audio. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend and rate, review, and subscribe. You can find more stories just like this at motherboard.vice.com. Thank you.